Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. For our program today, I want us to go back in time 500 years to the 1500s to the day the Protestant Reformation was born. This is one of the most exciting stories in all of world history, how God can take one man and use him to turn the world upside down. So what I want to do this, this show is to tell you the story of Martin Luther and then share with you four lessons from his life for our life. So let's, let's pray before we begin. Father, we want to pray if anyone is watching this program and doesn't know this story and doesn't know for themselves how they can make sure they go to heaven when they die, that we ask you, Lord, your Holy Spirit will use what we hear now to get everyone on the right page. We ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the story of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born in Germany in 1483. Martin Luther's father wanted Luther to become a lawyer, but young Luther is in the forest one day and comes across a violent thunderstorm. L Luther was either hit or almost hit by lightning, and Luther cries out, Saint Anne, save me, and I'll become a monk. He was saved from the thunderstorm, and much to his father's chagrin, Martin Luther entered the monastery in 1505 and becomes a Catholic monk. In 1507, Luther is ordained as a Catholic priest. And in 1511, he becomes the professor of scripture at Wittenberg University in Germany, and he'll hold that post the rest of his life. But he's still a Catholic monk living in the monastery. Young Luther desperately wants to know that he is saved, that he's going to heaven. But he knows he's a sinner and that he's not saved. And finally, the father confessor of the monastery says, Luther, read the book of Romans. So by candlelight, in the tower of the monastery, Luther has what's called his tower experience, where he reads Paul's letter to the Romans and discovered we're not saved by being good enough or trying real hard. We're saved by grace, by faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And Luther said, I felt like I had gone through open doors into paradise. I felt my soul to be born again. That's called his tower experience. Well, Luther stays in the Catholic Church. He's still going to be a Catholic priest and professor. But in 1516, Luther denies that you have to confess your sins to a priest to be forgiven. And then came the big fateful day. This is where Protestantism kind of started. 1517, Johann Tetzel is going through town jingling his money box, saying, Every copper that in my coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. In other words, give the church money so the Pope can build St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome, and we'll get your grandma out of purgatory quicker. 
Luther became enraged by this. He goes to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral and he nails his 95 theses, his 95 points of debate that he was having with medieval Catholicism at that point. And again, he's a Catholic, he's going to live the rest of his life as a Catholic, but these things need to change, at least to be debated. Then, in 1519, Luther denied that the Pope is the head of the church. Luther said, no, Christ is the head of the church. Then in 1520, Luther writes letters and works to various German princes, telling the German princes that we need to reform the church, that they don't have to send money to the Pope in Rome, that we should stop clergy celibacy. It never says in the Bible priests and pastors shouldn't be able to be married. Stop saying masses for the dead to get people out of purgatory quicker. Stop these pilgrimages where poor people were traipsing hundreds of miles around Europe to get close to the little finger bone of Mary Magdalene or the left thigh of John the Baptist to get time off of purgatory. Luther has said, stop this. And Luther said, Jesus gave us bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. We need to go back to that because at that point the Catholic Church was just giving bread. Well, as you can imagine, the Pope was not happy. And this was causing a big to-do. So, in 1520, Charles V, Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, calls Luther to a town in Germany called Worms. And he calls the papal representative from Rome, and they're going to have a big meeting called the Diet of Worms, big consultation at Worms, to decide if Luther is a heretic or not. Luther's been promised by the emperor, we'll give you safe passage, you can leave um, safely, and uh, you'll be able to debate your d d ideas. So Luther comes in an ox cart with hundreds of people from Wittenberg, Germany. The papal delegate and all of his finery comes to the cathedral in Worms, Germany, and they're going to have their debate. And the papal representative puts Luther's writings on the table and says, do you recant? Do you take it back? And Luther's basic point is, no, but let's have the debate. There will be no debate. Do you recant what you've written? And now Luther realizes he's been set up. And he says, I need time to think. So they give Luther some time, and then they all come together again in the big cathedral, and Luther says his famous line, it is neither right nor safe to go against conscience. My conscience is held captive to the word of God. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. In other words, I don't recant. At that point, Luther is excommunicated from the Catholic Church. He's deemed a heretic. Anybody that finds him can kill him because the ban of the empire is on him. Luther's own friends kidnap Luther as he leaves the Diet of Worms, and they hide him in Wartburg Castle in Germany for a year. During that year, Luther translates the Bible into German, he writes various pamphlets on salvation, and they go all over Europe, and his beliefs start to spread everywhere. We're saved by grace alone, not for paying indulgences, etc., etc. Then, in 1522, he gets some German princes on his side, so it's safe now for him to return to Wittenberg. He starts teaching the Bible at Wittenberg University again. Now nuns and monks and priests start to marry, because there's nothing in the Bible against that, and there was a lot of immorality prior to it. So let him marry, said Luther. In fact, Luther himself married a nun. 
1524, Luther writes hymns. People start singing in church again because we're saved by grace and we can rejoice in that. And then finally, in 1546, Luther dies. There's the story of the Protestant Reformation. What I want to do for the rest of the program is share with you four lessons from Luther's life for our life. Lesson number one, the big one. Rejoiced, rejoice that you are saved by grace alone. I know of this married couple, and they said, well, we left our prior church because the pastor kept preaching, we're saved by grace plus nothing. And they didn't like that. Well, if I went to a church and the pastor preached, we're saved by grace plus something, I'd be offended. Because Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not because of your good works, lest anyone should boast. It's, our, it's wonderful we're saved by grace alone, plus not having to do A, B, C, D, because we need salvation by grace alone. A farmer dies. He goes and he stands before the pearly gates. St. Peter meets him. Well, sir, why do you think we should let you into heaven? The farmer says, well, St. Peter, I, I was a basically good person. I love my wife, never cheated on my wife. I raised my kids and provided for them. And because I've been a basically good person, I think God will let me into heaven. And St. Peter quoted Romans chapter 3, no one is good, no, not one, try again. Well, St. Peter, I went to church. Went to church every Sunday because I was a church member. I think God will let me into heaven. St. Peter says, walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. Try again. Well, see, now he starts sweating. And um, oh, St. Peter, I believe in God. And because I believe in God, he's going to let me into heaven. And St. Peter says, the devil believes in God. Try again. <laughs> and now the farmer really starts sweating. And he thinks and he thinks and he finally says, I don't know, St. Peter. I guess it's only by the grace of God I'd get into heaven. And St. Peter says, bingo! <laughs> we are saved, hallelujah, only by the grace of God, plus nothing, hallelujah. Now, I will say this, in 1999, there was rather a big step forward when the Catholics and Lutherans in Augsburg, Germany, agreed and signed a document called the Joint Declaration on Justification, where the Catholics actually said we're saved by grace alone. Now, the same year, however, the Pope offered indulgences to get people out of purgatory. So, you know, the question is, was there really a, a real agreement? And I think maybe not. But... Better than we used to be. <laughs> Second lesson from Luther. Lesson number one, we're saved by grace alone. Second lesson from Luther. Have you received the assurance of your salvation? Luther desperately wanted to know he was saved, and when he discovered reading Romans were saved by God's grace, not by our good works, that changed his life. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Do you have the assurance? I mean, I'm a pastor. I've been to a lot of deathbeds. And I'll say, well, Mr. So-and-so, if you die today, are you sure you'll go to heaven? And sometimes I get, hope so, Pastor. Hope I've been good enough. I mean, you can be a Lutheran and not get this. And, I, and then I've got to explain, no, it's by grace, by Christ's death we're saved, not by you earning it. <laughs> if you are watching this show, 
and you don't have the assurance of your salvation, I want to ask you to take out your Bible, turn to 1 John, not John, but way back by the end of the Bible, 1 John 5.13, and read that over and over. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So number one, we're saved by grace alone, not your good works. Number two, you can have the assurance of your salvation, therefore, because it depends on Christ, not on you. Third lesson, let God's word be your highest authority. In Luther's day, the Pope was the highest authority, and Luther said, no, the Bible is your highest authority. What would you say is the highest authority today in America? I think for a lot of people it's television or a certain news station or uh, maybe it's um, a certain psychologist. That the, but I think for most people in America, the highest authority is themselves. Whatever they think, that's got to be the truth. This is my, I'm, a, I'm a Protestant, but my problem with liberal Protestantism, we're talking things like the United Church of Christ, the uh, Presbyterian Church USA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I'm not saying this about all the people, but a lot of the pastors and bishops and church leaders, they're the final authority. And they'll say things like this, my loving Jesus would never send anyone to hell. Well, wait a minute. Jesus himself in the Bible says, depart from me, you evildoers, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So who's right, this liberal bishop or the book? <laughs> Are you letting the Bible be your highest authority? And let me say this. If you never read the Bible, it's not your highest authority. If you, I'll say that again. If you rarely or pretty much never read the Bible, it's not your authority in life. Something else is. Here's what we've learned from Luther. We're saved by grace alone. Number two, therefore, we can be sure we're saved because it depends on Christ, not on me. Number three, let the Bible, not your own opinions, be your highest authority. Last lesson from Luther. Be willing to die before you will be quiet. Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other. Kill me if you must, but I'm not budging. And aren't you glad Luther didn't budge? Had he budged, we'd all be medieval Catholics trying to buy purgatory indulgences. <laughs> God can do amazing things with one person who will not budge. So, I mean, I get this every month. Go to persecution.org, they'll send it to you as well. Yeah. Stories every month on Christians who have not budged and have lost their lives in Muslim lands. So let me just close this part and ask you this. Are you budging these days? Are you not verbal about your faith in Christ? Here's a high school student, and he got tired of seeing all the gay pride rainbow t-shirts in school by some of the uh, other students. So he had a t-shirt printed up. He said, straight pride. And he wore it to school, and he got in trouble, but God bless him for not budging. <laughs> All right, let's review. Here's what we've learned from Luther. Number one, we're saved by grace alone, not by your good works, hallelujah. Number two, therefore you can be sure you're saved through Christ. Number three, let God's word, not the TV, be your authority. Number four, be willing to die before you will budge. That's what I learned from Luther. I want to close with this.
let me share with you how to share grace with people. One of my favorite places on earth is Lauterbrunn in Switzerland. Prettiest place I've ever been. Years ago, I'm sitting on a bench up in the Alps looking over this beautiful green valley. Behind me is the tallest waterfall in Europe, in Lauterbrunnen. And I'm just looking over the valley. And while I'm looking, here come about 10 uh, boys hiking past me to go up to play by the waterfall. And I can tell by the way they talk, they're from Ireland. And I'm, I'm sitting there looking over the valley. And while they're up playing, playing by the waterfall, the thought kind of thunders into my head. If the Apostle Paul was here, wouldn't he go preach the gospel to those boys? <laughs> and I'm starting to get nervous. And I, and I think, well, maybe not. <laughs> and I remember praying, okay, Lord, if you want me to share the gospel with them, you make it happen. Well, after a while, they got done playing, and they, they, they're, they're down below me now, and they're rolling down the hill. There was a lot of grass, and they're just rolling down the hill. Well, I need to go back to the chalet. So as I'm walking back, one of them just comes, tumbles, and crashes in front of my feet, and like he got hurt. And so I help him, you okay? And they're okay. And, and now all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by these 10 Irish boys, and uh, I said, you guys are from Ireland. They said, yeah. I said, what are you doing in Switzerland? We're on our way to Rome to see the Pope. I said, oh, do you go to a Catholic school? Oh, yes. I said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor in America. Can I ask you what you've learned in your school? Yes. And I looked at these boys and I said to them, I think they were about 12-year-old, 13-year-olds. I said to them, do you know how to make sure you go to heaven when you die? And one of them said, I keep the Ten Commandments. And I looked at him, I said, you do? You always keep all the Ten Commandments? And he kind of looked down. And another boy said, or you try to keep the Ten Commandments. And I looked at him, I said, you do? In thought, word, and deed, you're always trying to keep the Ten Commandments? And he kind of looked down. And, and then I said, now I'm going to give you a hint. Somebody did something for you long ago to get you into heaven. And one of them said, I was baptized. I said, even way longer ago than that. And I remember this one kid, kind of taller than the rest, you could see the light bulb go on in his face. And he said, Jesus died for my sins. And I said, that's it. That's the only way anybody gets into heaven. And I said to these guys, do you have Bibles? Oh, yeah, we brought our Bibles with us. I said, go back, take out your Bible, and turn to 1 John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And I said, cling to that, trust in Christ, and I'll see you in heaven. And then they went their way. I went mine. I don't know whatever happened. But the main message from Martin Luther is this. You're not saved by trying real hard and paying for indulgences, doing this or that. The only thing that saves us is Christ's death on the cross. Amen. Welcome to this portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his insights and his knowledge of scripture to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further about Luther? Because didn't Luther actually say some really terrible things about the Jews? Yes, he did. 
and the Lutheran Church has repudiated what Martin Luther said about the Jews. Here's what happened, Jackie. Luther thought when he got the gospel straight that we're saved by grace, and he preached that, that the Jews would convert to Christianity. When they didn't, he got mad, and he said some inappropriate things about the Jews. Luther, especially in his old age, could get kind of cranky and say rather explosive things. So, yeah. Okay, just a hypothetical question here. Why didn't Luther stay in the Catholic Church and start his reform with yeah. his church that he belonged to? And, and people who say Luther should have stayed in the Catholic Church and reformed it from within, uh, no offense, but they don't know their history. That's what Luther was trying to do. He tried to stay in the Catholic Church, change it from within, and he was thrown out, excommunicated. The ban of the empire was put on him. Anybody that found him could kill him. So it's not like he, he left. He was thrown out. <laughs> okay. Was there ever a church split prior to the Reformation? Yes, there sure was. It, it, you know, you have the Orthodox churches. That would be Greece and Russia and Armenia. Those are called the Orthodox churches. Then you have the Roman Catholic Church. Then you have the Protestant churches. That split, the great schism of 1054, there was a split between Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy. And so there was a split before we got to 1517 and Luther nailed the theses on the door. So what denominations came about as a result of the Reformation? Okay. And you know, Jackie, Catholics and I, I'm a Lutheran pastor and I'm a Protestant, I share most of the church history that Catholics have. I mean, I claim St. Augustine and you know, all these great uh, uh, teachers of the ages. But in 1517, something had to budge because the things had gotten so off. So Luther, Luther uh, eventually founded the Lutheran Church. They didn't call it that. They called it the Evangelical Church in Germany. And then out of that came the Reformed Church, John Calvin, similar to Luther in most ways, f different in a few. That The Reformed uh, churches became the Presbyterians. And then eventually the Baptists. And then in 1700s, the Methodists in England. So. Uh, the Episcopalians, when King Henry VIII in the 1500s broke away from Rome. So those are some of the Protestant denominations that Luther, Luther birthed in a way, although Church of England is a little different. So where, what, where do the denominations agree and where do they disagree? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, what makes them different? Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants all agree that there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They all agree that Jesus is fully God and fully man. They all agree that Jesus died on the cross for our salvation and rose from the dead. They all agree in the second coming of Christ. They agree that the Bible is the truth. So there's where we agree. Where we disagree, uh, we had a, a person on this program, Jackie, an Orthodox priest, who taught that you're saved by grace and good works, which kind of grieved me. Because if that's true, you'll never know if you're saved because you'll never know if you have a good, enough good works or not. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I think, puts that to bed, that we're saved by grace, not works. So, uh, and Catholics, you know, again, it kind of depends on the Catholic you talk to, but um, sometimes they teach you're saved by grace and works. So uh, salvation can be an issue of difference. Uh, the sacraments, Catholics have, what is it, seven sacraments. Uh, Protestants have two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Personally, I don't think that's a huge difference, but that's a difference. Uh, the other differences would be on what communion means. We're going to do a whole show on that. So does, those are some of the differences. Okay. 
So how do you answer someone who says, there's so many denominations with different understandings of the Bible, how do I know which one is right? Yeah. And see, that's what the Catholics would say to me. They would say, you know, look what happens when you let everybody interpret the Bible for themselves. You've got Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, etc. In the Catholic Church, we have one authoritative teacher, the Pope, that'll tell us, you know, what the true interpretation is. Well, the problem with that is you have different things throughout the ages coming out of the mouth of the Pope. And to be fair, Catholics do not teach, they teach the Pope is infallible only when he speaks from the chair, ex cathedra. So Catholics do not teach that the Pope is infallible in everything he says, just when he speaks from the chair, which he's only done twice in the 1800s to proclaim that Mary was born without sin and she was perfect, and the second one was the infallibility of the Pope. <laughs> So anyway, those are some of the problems. Now, I will say this, Jackie, yeah, I know it can get confusing, but overwhelmingly on the basics, one God, three persons, Christ died for our sins, overwhelmingly all Christians hold to that, regardless of your details. Okay, so do Protestants believe in the ancient creeds of the church? We do. We say the Apostles' Creed, like the Catholics do. We say the Nicene Creed, like the Catholics do. So again, it's not like all the church history that Catholics hold to, I do too, except we have a disagreement in the 1500s. But the, the Lutheran Church, for instance, believes in all the church councils and their decrees on the Trinity, like in 325, and we believe in the creeds, yeah, yeah. I remember when we were in the LCA, somebody said to me, you're like Catholics almost, is what it stands for. Is that right? (laughs) I don't know. So can a Christian, can you be a Christian, I guess, if you've never read the Bible? (sighs) I don't want to add anything to the cross. We're saved by the cross alone. Therefore, I mean, somebody, I read this recently. Did Jesus die to save us from sin? Or did he say, die so, he, so we could sin? The answer is he died to save us from sin, not so we could sin, all right? So if some, I mean, Jackie, my mom was a Missouri Synod Lutheran. She went to church. I never once caught her reading her Bible. It grieved me. It made me wonder where is mom really at spiritually? But when she was an older woman, I think she told me this when she was 80, she said, you know, Tommy, I've read the Bible through now for the second time. And that made me feel good. Because if somebody has no hunger and thirst for the Word of God, you've got to wonder, do they know the Lord? That's, that's, that's all I'll tell you. I'm not going to have a clear answer on that. But. Pastor Brock, we've only got like 20 seconds okay. left. But do you want to close today and tell people sure. what's happening? Yeah, you know, everybody, thank you for praying for this ministry. Thanks some of you for giving. We've had enough funds come in, so we're going to expand again. Every time we get a certain amount, we're able to uh, add another city or two or three. So thank you for that. If you want to watch the show again, go to pastorstudy.org, pastorstudy2s.org. You can watch our TV show. You can support us uh, there. There's an address. And just we're excited that we're still on (laughs) and we're expanding. So thank you and God bless you. See you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.